Ready for a scary thought? Summer's almost over. It's August now, and the days are getting shorter, the nights are getting cooler, and it's time for that summer fling to fall by the wayside. But for NFL players, camp's just getting started. We're talking news and notes, do's and don'ts, and everything you need to know from the start of training camp. Let's run up the score. You're listening to Run Up the Score, a fantasy football podcast. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to Run Up the Score, a fantasy football podcast. My name is Donald Wagonblast. Joining me, as always, is my brother, Scott. Hey. And our good friend, Tom Hillier. Hey, everybody. And, uh, guys, we're here. Training camp has started. Last Sunday was the last Sunday that we won't have football until February of 2018. Now, most of it is meaningless, but we will still have football, and I think that's pretty cool. I agree. I tend to agree with that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a really cool time to see, um, you know, obviously the um, reports, the reporters go crazy in this time, like, this is like hyping yeah. the guys that they like, and um, I think just really, like, this is where the people that are doing fantasy, this is where they start to really get swayed on, on uh, you know, those guys that they kind of had a feeling on. Yeah, there's there's going to be, I call it puff piece season, because I feel like every... I feel like every year we just hear, like, this guy has, quote, looked outstanding in camp, or he's, quote, had a great camp so far, or a receiver is, quote, catching everything in his wet that comes to him, or whatever. And uh, so what we're going to try to do here is we're going to try to help you navigate through that and see what is actually going to be a meaningful information to help you uh, prepare for your fantasy drafts, because chances are by the end of this month, August, which is what we're in now, um... Chances are you're going to have most of, if not all of, your teams drafted. So uh, there's been a, a, there's always, like Scott said, it's basically like Black Friday for beat writers when training camp starts. Like this is like what they live for. Um, and so we're going to kind of talk about the biggest news items that we've heard from so far, and we're going to kind of just open it up a little bit. It'll be a free flowing discussion more so than I would say most of uh, our other episodes have been so far. So. We'll get into it. Uh, the big one, and we've been talking about this, it seems like since the show started, is Andrew Luck is still not participating in any football activities for the Indianapolis Colts. He's strictly been rehabbing. Yeah, he's on the pup, but that shouldn't be as alarming as maybe it was in the past. A lot of teams are using the pup as, especially at this stage in the season, it's not that um, not that huge disabled list downer type of you can't come back from it. Right now, they just use it to show you that someone is hurt rather than that they are going to stay unable it, to perform. I think it has something to do with your roster, too. Like, if you're on the physically unable to pre- perform your active roster, you can add more people on. So maybe it gives them an advantage to bring in some other guys they might be looking at as type of fringe players. And check some people And maybe out not even the same position. Like, they might not even be looking at quarterbacks. They might just be saying, okay, we got a receiver issue, especially for the Colts, because... You know, we're still kind of trying to figure out who's going to run alongside T.Y. Hilton. Um, you know, they might be looking at another receiver, and then whoever looks worse when Luck comes back, they'll just cut him, which stinks because it's the guy's livelihood. But, you know, that's kind of just the way it is. Yeah, and um, speaking of which, they didn't sign another quarterback. So just by virtue of that, then they have somewhat of a faith 
in Andrew Luck's health. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a little nervous, obviously. I think everyone kind of is. It's just weird to not see him out there right now. But um, I'm not hitting the panic button just yet. I think that uh, I think he's going to end up being all right, and he'll be out there in maybe the third preseason game. Maybe that's all he plays. But um, I think he's going to play in the preseason and ultimately be out there week one. And part of what I wanted to say, even in the beginning of this, is – we live in such a you know social media driven world right now that people are looking for anything to post and get people to click and do all of that. So you have to kind of parse out what's what and how long something's been going on for. Like people just want to do the Andrew Luck watch because look at us, we're leading the show with it, right? So right. it's going to get clicks, that kind of thing. So you got to weed through the weeds a little bit with that in, in this kind of Twitter driven world. To play devil's advocate, though, because, I mean, there are going to be leagues where they're go- people are going to be drafting starting this month. We're drafting in one uh, next weekend. Yeah, and right. it, that's actually uh, something that's involved with the show. We're kind of keeping it under wraps for now. Uh, we're going to kind of get into it probably in the next couple of weeks, what kind of league we're doing. Um, it's not the hometown league that we are constantly bringing up. It's it's something different, and it's something that we're doing specifically for this podcast that we think you guys are really going to like. But the question I wanted to pose to you guys is, does Andrew Luck need to play in the preseason for you to draft him as your fantasy quarterback this year? Yes. I just I don't think I'd be drafting him. I mean, when you talk about how we have a draft coming up right now, he's a high-risk, high-reward kind of guy. So if we were in a league with, like, very savvy players right now he might fall because everyone's up to date on the news and then if you do draft him you have him at a value right but at the same thing like if you're in a league with maybe some less savvy people or maybe some andrew luck fans and they draft him you know relatively early it could tank them so right now depending on what happens to his adp in respect to his health that's what would make the decision for me and then so following that up, if Luck ends up not playing, and again, to reiterate, no indication that he won't start week one, but if he doesn't, obviously I think we think Moncrief's going to fall, T.Y. Hilton's going to fall, our darling tight end Jack Doyle might end up falling a little bit more, maybe Frank Gore's ADP goes up a little bit, maybe Marlon Mack now becomes draftable as a handcuff, but you know, are you guys drafting those guys the Moncriefs the Hiltons the Doyles of the world without caution knowing that Luck's eventually going to come back or are they kind of falling down your boards as the longer Luck is out as well T.Y. still led the league in receiving yards last year and you know he hasn't gotten Andrew Luck for 16 games every year so it's not unreasonable to think that he can you know put the same performances together obviously he has a huge uptick when he's playing with Andrew Luck, but he's the number one guy and he's a space creator kind of guy. So as long as a quarterback is serviceable, they can find a guy like T.Y. Yeah, I think that he'll, you know, it's going to be tough for him to score still and it's going to be even harder without Luck. Um, you know, he's going pretty high right now. I think that if Luck were to really be injured, I would probably move him back in my rankings. But, um, at this point, it's just too hard to say that Luck's not going to play. So, I don't know. I'm going to hold off on on if I'm going to move T.Y. Hilton down or Moncrief down, and I'm going to assume Luck's health for now. 
Scott Tolzien of former Packers fame is their quarterback right now, if luck were to be out. But again, they haven't made a quarterback move, so that I think shows their confidence that he'll be back more than anything, mm -hmm. um, which is great because, I mean, I was going to say this, like, luck's just, like, such a fun guy because he's, like, so intense, but he's got that, like, kind of like the early Stephen Curry career where he just like kind of looked a little goofy out there like it just like you just look at him and you're like he's like a very intelligent player and like you just don't really understand that because he just you know the the mouth guard gif where he's like whatever anyway um let's move on now to the ravens and they lost kenneth dixon he's tore his meniscus he's going to be out for the year they lost crockett gilmore uh he had an mcl injury they had he had surgery they're still trying to figure out how long he's going to be out for they don't seem too confident in his recovery because they did just sign former tight, uh, Giants great Larry Donnell. Um, we're now creeping up to 300 targets missing from last year's Ravens team. So I guess what I want to just do here is talk about where are these targets, where do you guys see these targets going? Not to sound like a broken record and in pushing this guy on people, but Danny Woodhead is the obvious check down candidate. We didn't even mention Joe Flacco is hurt right now. I was so, saving him for later. But yeah, but fine. I mean, it's uh, inextricably linked here. Right. So with Flacco hurting from trying to be buff and deadlift, you know, there's going to be a, a drop off in quarterback play if he doesn't get out there for week one. I actually think he probably will make it back out there. But if he doesn't, you know, they're back up. They signed a guy from... Um, like arena football or Canadian football. And I believe the other one is Ryan Mallett. Yeah, it is. Ryan so, Mallett. you know, it doesn't speak well to what will come next. The Kaepernick rumors can, you know, come and go, but they have a bunch of guys on the roster. So the targets were they're They might be plentiful, but they'll be of less quality. Especially if Ryan Mallett's the one throwing at me through five interceptions on the first day of training camp and apparently had a complete meltdown after the fifth one. So the Ravens defense looks pretty good to try and spin that. Um, Maybe I'll tell my uh, Ryan Mallett story in a mini episode one of these days. Oh yeah, yeah that, that that's a good be, one. I was actually going to ask you about that. Uh, there, Tom has a very interesting connection to Ryan Mallett, but like we said, we'll explore that later on. Um, the big impact I think though is going to be at receiver because I think Mike Wallace had a year that nobody was expecting him to. He was a top 30 wide receiver last year, and you know the Ravens typically hadn't really done that. Torrey Smith never really reached that potential while he was there. So he had a great year. He's coming back, and now you've got Jeremy Macklin coming in and taking the Steve Smith role possibly in the offense, or he might just take Wallace's role because Wallace really emerged as their number one receiver. So how do you guys see the Ravens wide receiver target shares panning out. Well, I think that they're all going to, you have to assume that they're all going to get targeted pretty heavily at this point, just because of how much they've lost. Um, it's an offense that I'm pretty interested in and I'm growing more and more interested in. Um, as long as Flacco is healthy, um, they're going to throw and throw a lot. So, I mean, anybody in that, especially the receivers, I like Wallace and I like Macklin, especially for where they're going because they throw a lot. Yeah. To me, they're both kind of like matchup guys. I don't think they're going to be guaranteed every week starter guys on your team. But with the right matchup, I wouldn't hesitate to play them in the slightest. And like we said, I mean, like Tom, you kind of, or whoever opened with this, like Danny Woodhead is pretty much must own at this point with Dixon going down. I mean, 
Terrence West was there last year, but he was eventually they they basically put him to the wayside and let Dixon you know get his audition for this coming season. Um, and unfortunately, Dixon had the suspension and now he's got the injury. So you know, there's a lot to be done in that Ravens backfield, not just you know them throwing little dump downs to Danny Woodhead. We've talked about he's a goal line bloodhound. He always sniffs out the end zone. So, you know, that's, I think, in the hierarchy of who I want on the Ravens. I think Danny Woodhead's going to be number one. I agree. Um, it's worth noting, and it's something that we've uh, mentioned in a couple other episodes, is that the value of Danny Woodhead, and among others, is different radically in Yahoo and ESPN. It's around 50, uh, 50th off the board overall in ESPN and it's in like the 100s yeah. in Yahoo. Yep. I expect that to steadily climb. Obviously now given this Kenneth Dixon removal, but if he's going to like linger down in the the bellies of Yahoo drafts, then that's where you got to go get him. Absolutely. Right now it looks like he's getting more and more expensive in ESPN and it's it's almost hard to justify. Like if he doesn't return that goal line prowess and if he can't stay healthy because he has had that injury history, then he's looking kind of expensive in ESPN. I got Danny Woodhead in, a tw- in the 12th round of a 10-team mock draft in Yahoo last night. Yeah, well, we'll so see if go. that holds up. Yeah, yeah good month. luck getting that in any of your, uh, your drafts come come draft season. And then I got kicked off the internet and Yahoo drafted me a second defense for some reason, so that was cool. <laughs> Thanks, Yahoo. Anyway, all right, let's move on now to the Minnesota Vikings. Um we thought there might be a quarterback controversy, but it doesn't look like Teddy Two Gloves is on his way back yet. Uh, it looks like it's still Sam Bradford's job. But there is intrigue to be had with the running back position. Uh, we set, we alluded to it last week. Latavius Murray was starting off on the, on the pup list. Um, the reports have been very good from Dalvin Cook and Camp. So the question that, I, that I'm kind of coming back to is, how long is Latavius Murray going to be out for? And... How much longer is it going to take before Cook just blows everyone out of the water and wins the the bell cow job? Latavius Murray was a guy, and I've mentioned this before, who who really benefited from having that stellar offensive line. He had a lot of yards before he was being contacted, which obviously someone his size and speed is going to bode well for him. But once you look at what the Vikings offensive line who did get some improvements has been doing over the last season or two. It scares you a little bit more to just assume that Latavius Murray can get that production done while he's got this, you know, fresh new rookie coming to take his job. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. I agree. You know, the line was, was such a big factor in Latavius Murray's success. And it's obviously a big factor in any running back success, but Going into Minnesota now with how much line struggle they had in their running game, um, you know, I'm not, I'm still, I understand that now it looks like Dalvin Cook is going to assume this lead dog role, but I'm not necessarily so eager to just have him go shooting up my rankings because of how bad the Vikings offensive line really is and how bad their run game was. You know, people may forget, but when Adrian Peterson was playing behind that line, you know, he was getting two and a half yards per carry. And if you think that Dalvin Cook is going to come in and do something, you know, greater than Adrian Peterson, then you're uh, you're a risky guy. I think he was, I think AP last year was averaging like one yard or less than a yard before first contact, which is insane. 
Like, that's just setting a guy up to get hurt, which is exactly what happened. He wasn't getting much help. And when you can't move the ball on the ground like that, you're not going to be able to have any semblance of uh, effective offense. So they lost a lot of um, red zone opportunity just based on the fact that they couldn't get there. And then now you got to parse that out between Latavius Murray and Dalvin Cook. Latavius Murray is huge by yeah. literal physical measurements. And Dalvin Cook is more of the uh, young stud. But if we if we see more Dalvin Cook, you know, on the majority of the field, there's still that huge chance you're just going to see Latavius Murray at the goal line when they do get there. And now all your Dalvin Cook effort is not really paying the dividends that some other running back might. And that was actually something I was about to bring up. Do you think it's a possibility that Cook's performance in camp and Cook's performance in hopefully their preseason games and Murray's continual injury issues, does it turn Murray, does it end up turning Murray into a very expensive Matt Asiata for the Vikings? And I think that that's kind of what this is building towards, but this is why I'm glad we have this podcast because I was super excited about Dalvin Cook and I was like, ooh, that's a guy that I can probably get, you know, in the sixth or seventh round and maybe he could end up like really making a difference for me. But then there you guys are to remind me that their line is absolutely terrible. So thank you. Yeah, and if you're looking for just a goal line guy and that's the only up so if that's the only upside you see in Latavius Murray, then why not just take a free pick, literally free, he's now being undrafted on Jeremy Hill. It's yep. like yep. almost an identical situation, and Jeremy Hill finishes the year around 10 touchdowns every year. So and if I'm just going for goal line, then, uh, yeah, I'll take Hill in the 15th. Um, and Murray has had ankle problems in the past before. He's had it in 2013, too, so it seems like it's like a kind of lingering injury. Coming from playing basketball and having ankle injuries myself, I know – they're really hard to come back from. So, um, you know, obviously we wish him the best, but if it continues to linger on, you know, it could go on into the season. And then, yes, Don, he starts to get way too expensive. The good thing for Murray, though, and let's try and just end this Vikings discussion on a positive note, there have been no indications that he's going to need surgery on the ankle, which is good. Um, let's move on now to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, they've got a couple of big issues, but they probably won't end up being issues, which is why they're so far down this slate. The first one, uh, everybody just needs to be aware of this because who knows how long it's going to actually last. But Le'Veon Bell is currently holding out because he wants that new contract. He does not want to play under the franchise tag this year. Yeah, I tweeted out some Instagram screenshots on the Twitter account, at RutzFF, and uh, Antonio Brown has just been tagging Le'Veon Bell and all these pictures like you can't get better if you don't show up and like all these things trying to egg him on to to get back to the practice field and it's pretty funny but the details of it are that Le'Veon is holding out because he wants a contract that is different than a running back contract what that necessarily means is obviously just more money Um, we've seen this like attempt happen before like Jimmy Graham wanted to be paid like a wide receiver didn't work no. You know, so my hopes are not high for Le'Veon Bell to get this deal done. Uh, I mean, he's going to get a deal done, but not the deal that he wants. Right. He wants to get paid as, like, the playmaker that he actually is. But, of course, the NFL will find their way to devalue it and make sure that he's paid strictly as a running back because that's just kind of, you know, what they've always done. Um, it's unfortunate for Le'Veon, really. I mean, I think that everyone who's seen him play – 
can see that you know he's more than just a running back out there and uh he's a revolution yeah you know he's he's definitely you know but i hope this year you know maybe they don't get the deal done and he says okay i'm gonna go crazy this year then and then you know maybe someone someone in free agency could even you know step up and pay him what what he deserves and he was probably already planning on going crazy on the field this year but now the fact that he's playing possibly as trying out for the other 31 teams in the league because he you know let's be honest this might end where he's so mad that he and the Steelers couldn't get a deal done and he's like I'm going to the highest bidder because you guys had your shot well there's a major point to discuss in that even is that Big Ben is not guaranteed to come back next yep, year. Yeah, I was thinking even, that too. He wasn't even guaranteed to come back this year when you think back on it. And, you know, retirement is looking more and more likely for Big Ben. It's, I mean, it's coming within the next three or four years, I think. Almost undoubtedly. Guaranteed, yeah. And that's going to free up a lot of money. So if they have to pay him an exorbitant fee next year, they might be able to afford it a little bit better if they don't have to uh, foot the bill on Big Ben. True. Yeah, that's a good point. Another issue that we thought was going to be resolved before the Steelers got to training camp, uh, Martavis Bryant is still technically suspended and ineligible. Here we um, go again. The NFL has not fully reinstated him, and there's still like some gray area about specifically what he can do at camp. Like he can be at camp, but he can't be participating in like team drills and stuff like that. He can only do like so. First of all. Come on, like, why is this such a such an issue? Like, I feel like there should just be some sort of contingency plan for the NFL reinstating these players because, really, they're just hurting the player at this point, who we all believe is going to be reinstated. So I'm not sure what exactly they're waiting for. I really don't have the answer for you on that one. I wish I did because I'm very much considering him as my keeper, right. and now I'm getting stressed out over here because, you know. We have a deadline associated with that, and I know a lot of people are starting to draft early, like we were just mentioning. If I draft him this week, it's that same sort of Andrew Luck thing, where if I'm in a league with people who are paying attention, you know, I could get the deal from paying, you know, blah 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 blah, like I just said right. before. So it's a it's a scary thought, but I do ultimately see it leveling out and him coming back. Yeah, I mean. What's I just you know it's so annoying like what's the holdup? It's the same thing with the Zeke ruling. Like, can we just make a ruling already and like kind of move on? It, it's got to be so frustrating for the players. Yeah. But. So speaking of which, there was a report today that there will be no Zeke deal. That's you know a suspension brought down this week. Next week on As the World Turns, like this is a soap opera. Like the it's, NFL has manufactured a soap opera. Based on like this player, it's etiquette. almost reached as many days long as the O.J. Simpson murder trial, which I think we all can agree <laughs> are equal like really in importance. <laughs> you know, like I think that they're both on the same <laughs> level of you know severity. The juice is getting out, so maybe uh, maybe the Cowboys will scoop him. Someone <laughs> can pick him up. O.J. Simpson was never suspended by the NFL. For that trial. So he's eligible. Stats. And Martavis Bryant is ineligible, is what Correct. you're telling me? <laughs> if a team wanted to sign OJ Simpson, they could sign him and he could start at running back week one. But we're still trying to figure out if we should take Martavis Bryant in the eighth round of our fantasy drafts. I'm keeping OJ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, speaking of which, the uh, the Ezekiel Elliott situation, we kind of, we've already kind of talked about it. No, no decision yet. 
Although we do want to point out that the uh, the Cowboys did sign Ronnie Hillman. I don't know why they they might just be kicking the tires on a guy who, you know, he did have some value in that Peyton Manning Broncos offense. Um, so well, it, speaking it's interesting. of that, you know, I was actually surprised he didn't go sign with the Broncos. Uh, Booker actually has a broken wrist. So or fractured or some degree of right. whatever to his wrist that's going to hold him out for a little while. So Ronnie Hillman, I mean, knew the offense was very successful not too long ago, and it's it's odd that he went to the Cowboys in that. I I don't know the timetable exactly, but it was like super close. Yeah, it was it was all yeah, within the last week. Close. Yeah, and this is all like basically everything we're talking about right now happened after we dropped the draft episode, which you guys should go back and listen to when you're done with this one. Yeah, what I know when he signed. What I'm saying is I don't know when he talked to them and when right, right. you know when they actually right, the knew. sequence of events exactly. Went down. Yeah, interesting. Um, do we want to touch on the Lucky Whitehead saga at all? I think it's interesting, and we should. Almost. Yeah. All right. So a guy gets pulled over in like Fairfax, Virginia, or in Virginia, says his name's Lucky Whitehead and gives him Lucky Whitehead's social security number. Lucky Whitehead is in Dallas or wherever the Cowboys are for camp, and he gets contacted saying there's a warrant out for his arrest. The Cowboys cut him, and it turns out that everybody finds out that it wasn't actually Lucky Whitehead who got in trouble, and now he's out of a job. Now, luckily, the upstanding organization that is the New York Football Jets picked him up. So does he have... So to tie it into this podcast, does Lucky Whitehead present any value uh, on the Jets this year. He's a, a special teams kind of guy, so maybe if your league counted return yardage, but I, I'd say that's about it. Because the Jets are going to be receiving a lot of kickoffs this year because they're going to let up a ton of points and not score a bunch. That's probably a good call. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, but then you got to start the Jets' defense, so it's not like... Well, if you're in a return league, you won't have to. You just sure. have him. Good point. I just brought that up and forgot it. <laughs> Um, one of the things too that Lucky Whitehead was uh, speaking about is that like the Cowboys didn't believe him at all when he told them that it wasn't him and they were cutting him. He was like, like it clearly wasn't me. I, I wasn't even there, and they were pretty much like, "All right, man, <laughs> see ya." You think they believe Zeke when he said whatever he said about ripping that girl's shirt off at the St. Patrick's Day parade? I believe it was Mardi Gras. Oh, I mean, same thing. But they probably did. But anyway, um, so now we're going to kind of open it up a little bit. We've talked about the big issues that we wanted to talk about, but there's been a lot of, like we said, the puff pieces, the uh, the interesting tidbits, the beat writer Black Friday that we're calling it. Um, so we're just going to kind of talk about, you know, players that we've noticed certain blurbs about, um, you know, like like Tom said. I mean, this is the time where you really need an active Twitter account where you're following Rutz FF. And, you know, a bunch of other beat writers that will probably be retweeting and quote tweeting throughout um, the entire preseason. Uh, but let's get started with an unfortunate start. Um, I've got a shut it down candidate. Shut it down! Really? And he goes by the name of Mike Williams. And it's not the Mike Williams that the Detroit Lions drafted all those years ago when they went <laughs> receiver, 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 some guy receiver in the first round. <laughs> So the receiver in four or five drafts. It's uh, the Mike Williams that the Los Angeles Chargers drafted. Um, they just announced that they're going to hold him out of all of training camp. And they have no timetable for his return. And he's a rookie. And it's his first NFL job. 
and he's missing all of rookie minicamp, all of OTAs, and all of training camp, shut him down. I, I, I'm not drafting him. I might pick him up later in the year, but as far as I'm concerned, no. It stinks like a, like a Kevin White to me, you know? Like everyone really still wanted him to come back and have that value, but then when he gets out there, he's, he's a talent, but you can't use him reliably. And I don't think that we're going to see a lot of uh, Mike Williams this year at all. Me neither. I think that this news really will start to rise, become the rising of Tyrell Williams to, like, you know, maybe where we actually had him ranked originally. I think now all three of us will collectively have him climb up our rankings as well. So it's a good sign for him. It's unfortunate for Mike Williams. But like you said, Don, he's a rookie. You know, his, his better years are ahead of him. And I think that the Chargers will think that too. And that's actually, to try to end, on, end this on a positive note, Mike Williams' ADP in Dynasty rookie drafts is going to get lower because guys are going to be afraid to draft him because they know they're pretty much not going to be able to count on him for at least the early part of this year while he gets acclimated with the offense. And you know who knows how far down the road until he actually makes his contribution. It could very well be next year. But we've talked about... It ad nauseum in our draft episode, you know, we think that this is a guy who is going to be a really good receiver and he's got a great situation with Phillip Rivers. They just traded for Cardale Jones, who Anthony Lynn has been on the record saying he thinks he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. So he's got a coach who believes in him and he's got an aging veteran who will be able to show him the ropes and show him how to win in the NFL. So he's got a good situation, just not this year. So for redraft leagues, I'm shutting him down. Dynasty? I'm definitely still taking a look. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning that Keenan Allen is healthier than we've seen him in a little while. Uh, when you get injured in week one, you know, you have this much longer recovery timetable, and hopefully he can stay healthy. I know we wind up talking about him all the time, but, you know. For good reason. Yeah. You I, know? I just think that with one less receiver in the way, you know, and now we have Tyrell Williams and Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry and all that, and it's a very pass-heavy offense, that there's room for all of those guys to return actual fantasy, reliable, week-in, week-out value. Perfect. I've been I've been saying that about the Chargers for years. I'm happy to finally <laughs> hear you come around, Tom. You're not alone anymore, Scotty. <laughs> uh, Scott, what have you noticed in this basically week or so that we've had teams o- opening uh, their training camps? Um. You know, the thing that I paid attention to most was, especially because after we um, did the mock draft episode and we picked Jaquiz Rogers in the last round, um, by the way, if you haven't watched, listen to the mock draft uh, episode, check that out. Um, Our team was loaded, but we're not going to tell you anybody else that we drafted. Um, anyway, so it comes out that uh, Doug Martin is not guaranteed the starting job when he comes back after his three-week suspension, which um, I think all of us were kind of hopeful for when we picked Jaquiz Rogers and let's be honest he was pretty effective um when he played last season um and in a three-week start a training camp start ahead of Doug Martin um I don't know I just think where he's going right now you can have a starter who can run the ball effectively catch the ball effectively in a high-powered offense in Jaquiz Rogers that you're you're not going to get anywhere near that value when he's coming off the board right now yeah, and it's also someone that you could pair with um, Zeke Elliott if he gets suspended because they'll kind of 
over or not overlap. That's the whole point. Zeke will be star suspended and uh, Jaquiz Rogers will be starting. So that's one way to look at it, especially when the Cowboys are like sending out these negative reports on Alfred Morris when, you know, right now all you hear is like the positives about everybody. They signed Ronnie Hillman. They still have Darren McFadden. So I don't think that handcuff is as clear where, you know, you have Jaquiz Rogers for those three weeks. And if you have Zeke come back, then when that handcuff was a little more clear, whoever that guy was who was starting is going to be dropped. Yeah. And like I, I've always kind of taken the mindset of like, why would you handcuff a guy if you can, especially in a draft? Why would you handcuff a guy who, when you can just draft somebody else who's going to start? And you know, I think that I think the situation that you said, where you take Zeke in the first round and then in the later rounds you make sure that you secure Jaquiz Rogers because he'll be that fill-in. I think that's his floor. Like we said, it he can run away with this job. There were, I, I think it's been pretty much every game he's had fifteen or more carries. He's averaged 4.4 yards per carry or more. So this is a guy who can handle volume. It's a guy who has been effective, who was effective last year. It's his second year in the in Dirk Cutter's offense. I mean, this is setting up where, you know, Doug Martin may just be, you know, a, a, a breathalyzer guy who just comes in to give Jaquiz Rogers a blow and then comes back in. Whoa. <laughs> a break. <laughs> Moving on, Tom, what's caught your eye so far? Now that we know where your mind's at this episode, uh, what's caught your eye so far in training camp? Well, you know, there's a lot of things because I spend a lot of time on Twitter, as everyone knows. So I'm digesting a whole lot. But I got to give it up to my man, the Moscow Mule. That's right, Cooper Cup, because you drink a Moscow Mule out of a Cooper Cup. (laughs) Jared Goff has been turning heads at camp. Those guys have had a rapport since before they were even on the same team. So all I'm saying is the stars might align. They're saying that Jared Goff looks night and day more comfortable in this new offense. And they got the new coaching staff. They're, you know, they're building him up. And I think uh, that could go a long way. It's fun over there with the Rams. You know, they got the young optimism. And uh, I hope you're right about Goff because I heard, you know, a lot of great things coming out of college and, Boy, was he bad last year. But their whole offense was really horrible. So I'm willing to give him another shot, I think. Jared Goff's first start was on a short week in Seattle. Like, not set up for – or no, it was Miami and then a short week in Seattle. Like, not great. Cross-country flight. Then you go back cross-country on a short week to one of the most prolific defenses in the NFL's recent history. So I did feel bad for the guy. I felt bad for the whole Rams team because – Basically, after week four, they were everybody was kind of like, that. Well, Jeff Fisher's getting fired, right? <laughs> and so it was just a matter of when they did it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting because, you know, they produced a fringe wide receiver, too, in Kenny Britt last year. So can they do it again with, you know, what seems to be a better offensive scheme, a, a more comfortable young quarterback? I mean, the Rams are a young team. You know, Gurley's in his third year. Cooper Cup's a rookie. Robert Woods is only in his fourth or fifth year. You know they've got pieces. They drafted a tight end in the in the um, in the second round. I mean they've got some. They've got a young nucleus on that offense. And if McVeigh, who's actually quite young himself, can get them all going in the right direction, I mean, who knows? They could they could flirt with a wild card. I thought of a joke, but it's not fun. Like it won't be well timed anymore. Okay. 
But I, now you're supposed to say, well, let's hear it anyway. Well, let's hear it anyway. All right. Well, <laughs> they said the difference between him was night and day. And then uh, last year in training camp, he didn't know which uh, side no. the sun rose from. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> you know, if I thought of that a little earlier, yeah. I could have, you know, parlayed that one into a real zinger. The Rams had hard knocks and uh, all or nothing in the same season. I just realized that. Interesting. Yeah. Whatever. They're, I guess L.A. with the big entertainment industry over there, they had to. Um, all right, so I'm, I guess I'm up, and I'm talking now about a backfield that I'm now completely ignoring because the reports have been that in San Francisco that Carlos Hyde showed up, and he was in the best shape of his life. He was back down to even lower than his college playing weight. He looked great. He looked like he was going to be a better fit for the system, and this is how quick things can change during the training camp days. Literally today, reports were coming out that Tim Hightower got the first reps at running back with the first team offense, and Carlos Hyde came in and fumbled his first carry and got yanked. So I am so far away from the San Francisco 49ers backfield geographically, and now I'm really far away from the 49ers backfield figuratively. I want no shares of any of those running backs. It's early is all I'll say. You know, obviously it's not a good start for Hyde, especially with all that was being said. But it's still early, and um, I don't know. I think Hyde's pretty good, and I I just don't see them just giving up on him. You know, after he had a pretty productive season on what was an overall pretty bad team last year. But you're a pretty big fan of uh, Williams, though. I like Joe Williams too. Yeah, I mean, I like I like both of their their running backs i like yeah, both of them but as long as we're given uh fantasy advice here i don't know i think carlos hyde ha- has that talent sure but if you could get joe williams like super late where you can with the writing on the wall right now about carlos hyde that i think you called it months ago and now you're almost backing off from nailing it <laughs> all right then <laughs> <laughs> but you did that's just I- <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's just a weird backfield right now. And I, and right now, the guy who's on top of the depth chart is 31. So maybe yeah, that shows you how much faith they have in Hyde and how much, you know, or how much they have or have not seen from him. I'm not sure. The reason um, so I'm, I'm not so it. happy to be like, oh, yeah, I called it is because of exactly that. It's not like Joe Williams is getting the first team reps either. He apparently didn't get in before <laughs> either of those two. So all I'm saying is there is much to be decided before they – unfortunately, it's a it's an open book. You know, we obviously like to see when – you know, the big running back comes walking into camp and he's the guy in fantasy so we can be, you know, sleep easy at night. It's going to take a little while. You're going to need to pay attention to Tom's Twitter account and he'll be checking for you to make sure you know who to come in. Joe Williams, Carlos Hyde. It's just going to it's just going to take a little time. Yeah. So, Scott, what else have you noticed uh, so far this offseason? Uh, Blake Bortles still throwing picks. Oh, yeah. Um, he apparently threw five INTs. Um the other day in practice, but then he backed it up with a zero INT practice. So just to, to further influence my point, you know, give these guys a break. They're human beings too. And it's very, very early. They're not they're not in mid season form yet. They're still they're still building up. Blake Bortles five picks one day, zero the next. So who knows? Maybe tomorrow they'll throw another five. Exactly. But. I mean, it's just I, I, I'm a broken record saying this and I know it, but 
This is why you draft after the third week of the preseason. Because you got to just take it all in. Okay? There's really... And the, the problem is there's really not a perfect time to have your draft because anybody could have the point where they draft and then the next day a guy slips and falls in his house and tears his ACL. So there's no perfect day to do it, but the most ideal time for you is going to be after that, after every team has played their third preseason game, just because otherwise there's just too much going on. You know, you could have a, have a day where, you know, Bortles throws six picks and gets yanked for whoever they've got behind him. You know, we don't even know. I think it's Chad Henney still. Is it really? Wow. Well, good for him. Yeah. He deserves to keep a job. He's a Michigan man. <laughs> well, there's uh, there's more turnover news in the quarterback world. I know Don thought it was quite hilarious I with uh, Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> so if you want to. Sure. Um, he, 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 uh, he fumbled. Too excited. You fumbled. Just, yeah, I, I did. <laughs> that was my Mitch Trubisky impression because it took me three tries to say he fumbled. And Mitch Trubisky fumbled three out of his first five snaps under center. Um, not great. Uh, I think, you know, Carlos Hyde are, feels a little better about himself he now. He should feel much better. <laughs> um, I think that the Bears are looking more and more like a great offense to target if you're a defense streamer uh, yeah. throughout the season because that the quarterback literally can't do the first thing that he's supposed to do more than half the time. So that's a lot of potential fumbles to recover. Um, if he gets pulled, Glennon could get in and throw some picks. They had Mark Sanchez. They still got Mark Sanchez on the roster. He, he threw two pick sixes when he was out with his reps. So, I mean, maybe the Bears' defense is looking pretty intimidating. But given the way that their entire team's season went last year, I don't know that that's true. Um, but I have a solution. It's time to bring back the Wildcat. Jordan Howard's young enough. He's got that developing brain he'll be able to pick up pick it up quicker and if you want to still run that read option trend you have jordan you have the center snap the ball jordan howard he assesses the situation and if he sees that it's a passing situation he just hands it off to mitch trubisky so mitch trubisky doesn't have to do all that hard work of bending down and putting his hand under another guy's butt to get the ball (laughs) I think I solved the Bears' offense, guys. Handing it off to Mitch Trubisky? Why doesn't <laughs> Mitch Trubisky just take a shot, the, the shotgun, shotgun snap, snap and hand it off to Jordan Howard? Well, that's what we're working on. He can't take a snap. That's my problem. Yeah, but he, we're talking like hands under center doing the, uh, you know. I know. So the Bears the Bears are like, all right, we'll take this project quarterback. And then like the first day in camp, he just fumbles so much. They're like, oh, my God, we have our hands full. It should be a fun year in Chicago. Yeah, it's going to be so awkward. Cause, it's going to be tough. Because it's you know it's going to be Glennon to start the season, but it's just like, okay, like they've lost four in a row and they've got the Packers next week. Where's Mitch? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, really interesting. Um, I saw something about uh, Eric Decker, actually. The Titans are planning on starting him out in the slot this year, which I think, number one, is awesome because he's basically like a faster tight end in the slot. But they also said they're going to be moving him around with uh, Rashard Matthews, switching them between the outside and the slot. First of all, love that. You've got to love an offense that's trying to move its pieces around and scheme its best players open. I also love it because it gives Corey Davis one responsibility to be that jump ball winning outside receiver and let him kind of get his feet underneath him. Maybe they start working him into the slot. I think... It's really starting to look like this Titans offense is going to be really fun to watch this year. 
Yeah, I'm really interested in it, and it's cool that um, they're moving him into the slot, and you're starting to see the um, bigger-bodied, not as smaller agility driven receivers start to play the slot like Larry Fitz and now obviously with Decker um I think it's great for him and I think that it's really gonna pay dividends for the Titans when they get in the red zone if they're able to put him in the slot and mismatch him with maybe a, a linebacker or a safety or something like that like we've said in previous episodes Marcus Mariota was perfect in the red zone didn't throw any red zone interceptions and Eric Decker is basically a prolific red zone receiver, and Rashard Matthews was not too shabby himself last year. So it's a winning combination of you know touchdown scoring, which bodes well for your fantasy team. Absolutely. The more I think about the Titans, the more I'm inclined to to draft Mariota. I think that uh, there's just you know I, I love the the teams that seem like they have all the pieces there for the quarterback and it just really seems like they do for him another large adp discrepancy between yahoo and espn with him really yeah, he's high up on espn he's, he's very high up in yahoo oh, really okay. yeah lower in espn interesting but all i would those... tend to lean he should be you know one of the first 10 quarterbacks drafted but interesting yep yeah let us know where uh, marcus Mariota is going in your mock drafts at ruts ff on twitter um Another one I wanted to talk about the Patriots camp. I was going to say, gonna be let's talk very, about Gronk. Yep, very, very uh, interesting. Let's talk about Gronk. <laughs> sure. Um, I was actually going to start with Gillisley, but Tom, say your piece on Gronk. Well, right now he's entering camp. He's off the pup. He's like a full contact kind of guy, you know. So right now you want full contact Gronk going the latest in drafts that he has in the last ever ever <laughs> yeah for probably since his rookie season. So Gronk obviously a position winner being healthy on your fantasy team is it's otherworldly. It's next There's level. There's nothing like it. So right now you got to be on Gronk watch. You know he's a glass cannon basically. Something can misfire at any point and now we got an unsure timetable but right now you know they it's not like they've completely let him loose obviously he had surgery so they're easing him into things but the reports are that he's putting his body into people he's going to the ground doing all these things so he feels healthy he's smashing and dashing as he likes to say for spikes and he's ready to spike that ball I Gronk spiked a big chunk of ice at work today. Like there was like we were like emptying out a mini fridge and I had this like big thing. I was like, I got a Gronk spike this. And like I'm sure like eight people saw me and was just like, What the heck is this guy's problem? But that's what Gronk does. It's the Gronk effect, you know? And the Gronk effect on the Pats offense would be unparalleled if he's able to stay healthy all year. We know what it does for Brady, we know what it would do probably to these other options. But let's talk about the running game really quick because Mike Gillisley, they're running their goal line situation. He's in it running back for the first snap. He gets his hand off. He converts it for a touchdown. Now, it's one play on the first day of training camp, so I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill here, but the signs are starting to look like they did actually get Gillisley because they want him to fill the LeGarrette Blunt role. And maybe not exactly the LeGarrette Blunt role, but I think Gillisley can do a little bit more. So maybe he won't play as many snaps, but he'll get different opportunities to make plays for the Patriots, and that's all he needs to do. Or that's all he needs to get. 
so it's interesting with like a lot of other teams we would say you know make sure you're paying attention to the running back situation in camp and tracking the snaps and stuff like that i i don't want to demean what you're saying but it means nothing to me at all <laughs> that Mike Gillisley got a touchdown on the one yard line in camp. Like that's they, Brady territory anyway. Um, True. I think I do believe I'm starting to believe more and more too that um, Gillisley is going to become that Legarrette Blunt uh, replacement, especially just to start the season. But with the way that they use their running backs, you know, uh, James White got one-yard rushing touchdowns in the Super Bowl with LeGarrette Blunt on his team last year. So it's just so hard to predict them, and I'm not going to get too hung up on anything that happens in Patriots practice. It's just I, I can't do it. If you want to talk about first reps at practice, um, Christian McCaffrey took the first snap at Panthers camp over Jonathan Stewart. Just the inaugural snap. It wasn't like he's been anointed the starter or anything like that. You think that. it was a woo, get the fans going, woo. I, I think it was because yeah. – and even Jonathan Stewart got going. Jonathan Stewart came out and said, there is no one in the NFL that is going to be able to guard him one-on-one. Yeah, I mean, we've all been loving him, obviously. And, like, it's just how many things do we have to hear? It was like, okay, who had the best combine – Christian McCaffrey, um, you know who had the best, who was the best in college? Christian McCaffrey. Now he goes to the NFL, and all these NFL guys are ranting and raving about it. It's like, how many people do you have to hear that he is just like a different type of talent from until you just drink the Kool Aid? And I'm I'm chugging it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, I've gone to the dark side of Christian McCaffrey as well. I I really think I do like him in PPR formats, especially. Um, he's totally got. That role carved out. Jonathan Stewart was never a very good pass catcher. And their best pass catcher prior to drafting Christian McCaffrey was Fozzie Whitaker. Great name. I mean, a great name. But that can only get you so far. True. It's a great author's name. It's a good pen name. <laughs> <laughs> by the Night's Dawn by Fozzie Whitaker. <laughs> I think I just found my pen name. Thanks, Scott. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, like we said, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at RutzFF, if you didn't hear it the other five times we said it. Uh, I'm at Why So Serious. Tom is at HillierFF. Scott is at WagsFF. Don't forget to uh, subscribe on iTunes. If you subscribe on iTunes, you get our episodes before anybody else. So important that you do that. Um, we would also really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating. And a review. Remember, any five-star rating and review with a question related to fantasy football will be answered in a show in August before everybody gets drafted. Uh, guys, say something sweet for the people. I love you guys. You are the rudders. You steer the ship. We're nothing without you. Keep scoring. Keep scoring. <laughs>